ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. Taco Tuesday edition. My invention. Of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I have so many questions about this Josh Beard concussion. <laughs> like, we have a very busy show planned. We're going to talk a lot about the Houston Texans. We're going to talk about a concussion that we actually care about uh, in C.J. Stroud. We're going to talk about the sports culture in this city. Feels like it's an all-time high. Some NFL would-you-rathers. It's a cash-it-or-trash-it day. Or the Texans building a powerhouse. But all I can think about is this Josh Beard concussion. It, it smells funny to me. It's fishy to me. The story that Michael Connor just told me, which have y'all talked about? Joe was filling in for Beard today, so he couldn't do any of the work for his actual show. Um, did, did y'all talk about the what what led to Josh's concussion, Joe? Like, is this a public record now, or do we have to like cite HIPAA, like Dusty Baker does? If y'all has this been discussed? Yeah, it's Do I need to run record. it by HRNP? I know the people there. No, Josh gave us permission, so we're okay. So, I don't know if you caught this, Blankers, but Beard got a concussion yep. because he was wearing brand new socks that he's never worn before. Who gets those before Christmas? He slipped from the top of his steps. He fell on his stairs, hit his hip, his rib, yanked down the stair rail as he was falling, and bumped his head. Like, there's a lot of fishiness to this story. I told you this yesterday before it was public knowledge. This is John Wall all over again where you just you don't get hurt on the court. You get hurt falling down the stairs at your house. And it's like there's so many questions. Is it a hardwood staircase? Is it carpeting? I've been to his house, but I can't remember. I want to say it's carpeting. So it's carpeting. Yeah. Joe says it's carpeting. Look at that long-term memory, Branham. That's pretty good. So it's carpeting. I don't okay. know if that matters, though. Like, Well, traction-wise, new well, socks on a hardwood staircase. Oh, socks. Yeah, yeah. you're going to go zoop real quick. I mean, socks will... Yeah. 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 You're not going to have as much There's, chance to slide out real quickly you're with right. carpet. It's much more traction right. on carpet. Right. So, yeah, there, there's another wrinkle into this whole case. Like, was the slip legit? Like, he's putting on... like. Why are you putting on new socks and then not new shoes? Do you walk around your house with just socks? Oh, yeah, all the time. Do you really? Yeah. I don't. I, my a, wife hates the fact that, like, I wear my socks outside. Okay. So maybe I'm in the minority here, or maybe I'm not at least giving enough people, you know, the amount of people that wear socks around the house. Because I only wear, I don't wear socks ever unless I'm wearing shoes. I hate wearing socks. Okay. Hate wearing socks. So, okay, maybe it's not that weird that Josh had socks on. Um, also... Missing a second day because of a concussion? Like, I can understand not playing football because someone's concussed. Like, I can understand C.J. Stroud isn't going to go play quarterback against, you know, what the Tennessee-Houston Oilers this Sunday in Nashville. But to talk behind a microphone? I don't think that you... I think that missing a second day because of a little mild concussion, I, I'm, I think it's a little bit soft. Yeah, I think it's soft. Yeah, I'm curious because Joe's had conversations with him. Like, I understand, like, the immediacy of the first day, uh-huh. whether he went in the blue tent or not. You got to believe that he was a little scrambled if he did hit his dome piece. Although, like you said, I mean, if he, if he tore the rail down, doesn't that also, whether it stayed up or not, doesn't that kind of soften your fall? Absolutely lessens the blow. Right. That's, that's science. So the first day, I get it. Like, you're a little bit scrambled and you need some time off. 
I think just that's to kind of, eh. I think that's a little soft too. But I can understand day one more than day two. Now, if he could jump back over the railing, get back on the field, and get ready to play like in the next two plays, yeah. then I get it. But if he wasn't jumping up, and I don't think he's jumping anywhere, I, I think that one day fine. But I don't know after that. Like you would think that you're not looking to run a marathon or go tackle no. people or throw a touchdown. You're just looking to talk, and you would think that everything settles down in your gourd after a while. If he's not back tomorrow, we need to treat him like Craig James's son and put him in a dark shed <laughs> and not let him out. Like, I'm serious. Phone y'all, y'all think, like, y'all are laughing. I'm not, I'm not joking. We should do that. The phone closet? Yeah, whatever. The phone closet's fine. We can put that dark studio. We can patch him onto the radio. He shouldn't be missed. Like, this is a weird way to miss two days of work. Like, pretend you have the flu. Say you have COVID. Concussion? That's a weird out, man. Now, it's a it, weird out. You bring up an interesting point, too. If he just wears sunglasses so yeah. that there's no bright light. This isn't a physical you job. You would think, yeah, you would think that <laughs> this is pretty basic, job. right? It's not, the, Nick Saban said the easiest thing he does every day is open his mouth and talk. Like, it's not a hard, it's not a physical job. Like, this isn't late. You're not lifting logs here. This, we're not running you through the gauntlet. We don't make you go on the treadmill before you get behind the microphone. Look at me. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. 713-780-ESPN. We're going to see how well he's thinking because you know damn well he'll be within, he'll be in the Twitch chat within like 20 he minutes. He better not be if this concussion seriously well, he should be I'm looking thinking. at bright lights. But if he hears anything about this, he's going to check in on Twitch and he's going to be dialed in because he doesn't want anybody messing with him. Maybe. He's trying to give like a case study of what CJ Stroud's going through, which if he is doing that, I question his intelligence, but I admire his his like determination. Uh, and then the final question before we move on about this, and I, I want your opinion, Houston, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Whose brain do we care about more, CJ Stroud or Josh Beard? 713-780-3776. Whose brain do you hope recovers, period? C.J. Stroud or Josh Beard? It's probably a bad thing, but it's a pretty easy question. What would you answer? C.J. Stroud. Well, you're a bad teammate. Well, you're a very a, bad coworker. I've always been a good teammate, and you guys taught me that I don't need to worry that much about the, the rest of the team, so I'm going to be worried about C.J. Stroud playing. Yeah, you're. Uh, I, I, I also echo what you just said, C.J. Stroud. I care more about C.J. Stroud's brain than I care about Josh Beard's brain. Sorry, Josh. Hope Josh. you're not listening because you got a concussion. I love Josh, but I think even Josh would choose C.J.'s brain. Yeah, over his own, and, and so would you because you get a little airtime. You get a little airtime, and, and, and you yesterday. get how about right, a little more? You got some airtime, airtime today. Took True. away from the task and responsibilities of your role with the Killer Bees. Fair. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little ticked off with Joe's this Josh building Beard a brand. concussion. I'm going to pretend like I get a concussion. I'm going to put on some new socks that I get for Christmas. I'm going to pretend to he fall down my stairway. Hey, I got a concussion. Air. Do uh, do you get? Is, is he taking PTO days for this? I'm not answering that question. It's <laughs> like, a great idea. I'm going to get a concussion. I, I don't have any more PTO days. I would love to have that the is- next two days off. Concussion coming up. Here we go. I'm getting one tomorrow. I'm going to like have a fake bruise on my head or whatever. Houston, which brain do you care about more, C.J. Stroud or Josh Beard? 713-780-3776. As you can tell, the culture at ESPN 97.5 isn't all that great. But the culture... Oh, I don't agree. It's great. <laughs> we all the, love each other. The culture in the city of Houston Ooh. right now is... Uh, I mean, I, I love everybody here. Do you not love everybody here? Yeah, I mean, here? Joel, you might be the exception. I think most people love everyone. You yeah. guys you know, you, you guys like to make me the exception on most things. That's fine. I'll, I can own that as well. I love a little tough love, too. I like friends who put me, put me in my place. Um, 
the sports culture in the city is great. And I don't mean from like the vibes. I'm not cool enough to have that conversation. I mean more from like the cultures that are being built by the coaches in this city. I come from what I think is the best culture, maybe in the country, when it comes with, you know, Kelvin Sampson's college basketball team. But if you look at it from a professional standpoint, the Astros already have that culture. And I don't really think it matters who the manager is, as long as you got guys like Jose Altuve in the clubhouse, you know, maybe Alex Bregman. How long is Alex Bregman going to be here? Like getting Justin Verlander back. The Astros culture already very, very good. You hope it continues with the new direction of Espada and hope it continues with some new faces that will be coming and some old faces that will probably be going. The Houston Rockets, and I understand they've lost back-to-back games, and we'll talk about the fact that they lost that second game yesterday in not-so-great fashion, but Ime Adoka has all of a sudden turned a laughing stock in the NBA into a legitimate NBA basketball team that's one of the best defenses in the league. You look at what the Houston Texans are doing. The, the Houston Texans have eight wins. Like D'Amico Ryans, and I know the schedule's soft and all that stuff, but D'Amico Ryans is eight and six right now and tied for first place after week 15 in the NFL season. This is a good place to be, but from a culture standpoint, you have to be pretty proud with all three professional organizations in the city, the big three, are doing from a building the culture point of view. There's no doubt because you know what? You got the smartest, best, and most talented guys in the room. And then you made everybody else, whether they went willingly or not, get out of the way a little bit so that they could do things the way they see best and fit. And fit is a key word for this because there were so many bad fits along the way for so many of these franchises. And when you get guys that have been there and done that a few times and they know what they're doing, you're going to get your players to buy in. That's the toughest thing you can do with culture. You get the players to buy in. Now, veteran, rookie, and anywhere in between – they're going to follow the lead of their leader, and they're going to understand they're going to be better for it. The team's going to be better for it. It's the right thing to do. You eliminated all the guys that didn't belong to be in charge in the first place, and aside from the Astros, who got it right with Dusty coming out of a really tough deal, you look at what the Texans went through with Cully and then with Lovey and, and how backwards that was. You look at the fact that it was square pegs round hole with Steven Silas. Now you got guys that literally know what they're doing and that you, the first sign of it is the guys are following the direction they're getting and that's how you really turn the corner and that's what all three franchises have done. Well, And the Astros did it earlier because they've been cruising along. Yeah, um, and that that's kind of like, I think culture matters a lot in sports too. Sometimes we minimize it and I know that every coach says it. Like it is definitely coach speak. Oh, we got to have great culture. Culture is something that we, you know, build off of. Like it's one thing to say it though, and it's another thing to do it. Because I'm an actions over words guy. Every coach is going to say we got to have great culture, or we do have great culture. But it's not about what they say; it's about what they do. Like you look at the Texans organization right now, and you can tell that where they've where they were the last few years. Even under O'Brien, I never felt like they had great culture. But where they're at now, it's like okay, like D'Amico's building something, and you you even hear some of the players talk about how D'Amico was pretty hard on him. Great. I think you need that leader that is difficult and hard on his players Tough to love. build that culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ime Adoka is not going to be soft with his players at all. He's not going to be soft with the rival opponents, even if his name is LeBron James. He is building a culture where you have to have six, like you have to play hard. You have to play defense. He's not going to mess around. He's going to bench whoever he needs to bench. Yesterday it was Jabari. Uh, he's done it with Jalen. He's done it with even Alpi Shingun. So like he's not messing around. We'll see what Espada is, but Espada is taking over a culture that I think is kind of managed by the clubhouse itself. Like Jose Altuve might not be the most vocal guy all the time, but when he needs to get in your butt, he'll get in your butt. Same thing with Justin Verlander. I know Lance McCullers doesn't pitch a whole lot, but Lance McCullers will be that vocal guy as well. And as like as a fan of sports, 
I like that stuff. Like, I like good culture. I like players who play hard. I don't even need to win all the time. Like, winning's great. But if you can make me proud to, like, you're the team that's representing the city, it makes me proud with how much effort you're giving, how hard you're playing, the culture that you're building, that makes me proud as a fan of those teams. No doubt. It's easier to root for those teams. And it's also establishing, when you say the culture, but you're establishing a hierarchy that everybody's on board with. Because I've been a part of franchises where the best players did whatever they wanted, and they ran roughshod no matter what the coaches said the rest of the team had to do. That's the easiest way to drive a, a, a line in the sand right through the middle of the locker room and really alienate yourself from a lot of the guys on the team. And when the coaches aren't afraid to go at their best players and tell them, hey, you're not separate from this conversation. It's all for one, and this is what we're all going to do. That's when you really start seeing the results that these three these three teams are seeing. What have you seen about this culture from the pro teams in this city? 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. Busy show today. A cash em or trash em. Would you rather's around the NFL? Uh, interesting comments from Albert Breer. He said the Texans are building a powerhouse. Are they? We'll discuss that later. Uh, we're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He's at Joe George Radio on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham on Twitter. Also, don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. We do this each Tuesday after the Texans win a football game. What are you not ignoring in victory what you wouldn't in defeat? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. What you wouldn't ignore if you ever got into a car accidents that you have to get some business taken care of. You got to get some things done. First thing you need to do is call Hollingsworth Law Firm. Greatness that is Hollingsworth Law Firm. You don't pay a dime until you win your case. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Jeremy. And the thing is, you never know when you're going to be in a car accident, but take it from me. This is real talk. You don't ever know or expect it when you get in a car accident, but when you do, you're looking for answers and help and direction right away. If you save the number for the Hollingsworth Law Firm, you're already ahead of the game because you're getting the best in the business that specialize in car wrecks. They're going to be in your corner every step of the way. As Jeremy said, they don't get paid unless they win, so there's extra motivation there, but they've been through enough of these things that the minute the accident happens when you call them, they're going to tell you, hey, make sure you get a police report. Hey, make sure you get the other information. Do these kind of things so that you're already ahead of the game ahead of the other driver and preparing yourself to get what you rightfully deserve. And they're going to fight the insurance companies, the other driver, and do exactly what I just said. Get what's rightfully yours. No offense to uh, any insurance agents out there, but I, I hate insurance companies. I guess that is offensive. I apologize. But let Hollingsworth Law Firm fight those insurance companies for you. Don't do that. Don't don't call the insurance companies yourself. Let Hollingsworth Law Firm represent you there. They're going to take advantage of you. They're going to fight you tooth and nail. Let Hollingsworth Law Firm knock out those insurance companies for you. 713-999-8773. Write down the number. Call now for a free consultation. 713-999-8773. Or visit them online. CarWreckTexas.com. It's CarWreckTexas.com. You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Let's go out to the HRP uh, listener line. We're talking about the culture that has been set by the organizations in this city. I- I'll throw U of H basketball. You should. They have some really good culture. But we like to talk pro sports here. Um, Texans with D'Amico, Ime with the Rockets. Espada, we don't know, but he's taken over, uh, obviously, uh, a locker room, or clubhouse, rather, that has had great culture in this golden era of the Houston Astros. 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out there for Paul. Paul, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up? 
Hey guys. Yeah. Long time Houston sports fan. And, uh, you know, I think we've gone from just an embarrassment as far as the Rockets and the Texans to just, uh, I'm very proud of these teams. Uh, you have two coaches that are young and they, I believe they, there's some intimidation there for their players, especially the Rockets. Last year, these guys, you know, there's no excuse for not playing defense and, you know, you may not be that great offensively, but there's no excuse for not playing defense. And this guy has these guys playing lockdown defense from the start to the end. And it's just like, it is so impressive. And they actually have an offense where you don't have four guys standing on the perimeter. And, you know, to the, the, the defense turns into fast breaks where you rarely see these days. And, uh, I just think that, you know, the culture is just, you know, uh, we, I guess we just kind of lucked into it. But last year we had that Rockets coach. He was, he's a good coach, but not a head coach. He's not intimidating. But these two guys, I believe he's got these players' attention. And, uh, you know, it just speaks well for the organizations and uh, for the culture. Appreciate the call, Paul. Like, yeah. I mean, D'Amico has totally changed the culture. Like, D'Amico has changed what we feel about coming there. Like yeah. a year ago, oh, the Texans need to, they need to sell. You're never going to escape. You know, the Texans won't ever be relevant until they have new ownership. Anybody still saying that? Like now Cal McNair is like kind of a beloved individual. Uh, Hannah has something to do with that as well. And then from the Rockets thing, it's like, yeah, you went from maybe the worst coach in the NBA to arguably the best coach in the NBA, and you see what kind of difference it makes. Like, my thing is just try. Like, build the culture to where you have players that play hard. And I think D'Amico and Ime both have done that. Well, I think the other thing is the fact that you stand up to all of your players because you have a set of standards that you are not going to waver from no matter who you are and what your resume says you've done. And you come into a new environment where a lot of guys are humbled by the fact that I don't know anybody here. They've been doing it a certain way for a long time, and then you just try to fit in. But the good coaches come in and immediately start saying, this is how I'm going to structure things. This is how we're going to do things. And then the enforcement builds the relationship because the respect is so important. And so many coaches these days don't have the respect of their players, best players or otherwise. And when you start understanding that you're building a relationship from square one, which means you're not going to push me around, and we're going to under, have an understanding of how we're going to go about our business, even the best players will say, I want to be coached. I like the fact that I don't have to tell him how to do things because he's going to help me not only to get mine and do better, but to help us do what we need to do. And then you've got the foundation for a solid relationship throughout the organization. And if you, if I have a player, like I'm a GM or a coach in this case, and there's a player that doesn't want to be coached hard, see ya. Like, I don't, I don't, I have nothing to do with you. Like, I, you can't help me. Like, you can't be on this team. I don't care how talented you are, quite frankly. Like, if you're going to be a prima donna, you're going to be somebody who's not going to work hard. You're not going to bust your tail. See ya. Like, I can't win with you anyways. Like, who cares if I ha- I don't have that talent? Like, this is the difference between a, an old school guy that understands that and Russell Westbrook, no matter what you think of how mm-hmm. he's played his in his career, and a James Harden or a Dwight Howard, and some of the guys that I, I, I worked with and saw firsthand. About they feel like when you achieve a certain status from your career, it also anoints you a get out of jail free card to do whatever you want to do whenever you feel like doing it. If you want to be late for a plane, if you want to be late for a practice or a film session, you can do that because of what your stats say. Whereas Westbrook said, no, from one through 15, we're all going to be held to a, a, a standard and an accountability that we should enforce it ourselves if the coaches wouldn't do that. And the coaches yeah. wouldn't do that. And that's what really pissed Russ off. 
that's where you, if the player is the one that's trying to play sheriff, now you've lost all control of your your, your locker room. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We're asking you which brain do you care more about, Josh Beard or CJ Strouds? Poncho says Josh and Strouds S two scores both improved after suffering concussions. You can't say stuff like that, Poncho, and then have people read it on the air. Like we're not going to read that ignorant comment. One seven one five is Beard in the concussion protocol. I guess it's a question for Joe. Do we have a concussion protocol here at ESPN ninety seven five? Uh, we do now, I guess. What is it? Uh, if you're not going to throw up on the air, if you if you say you have a concussion, you're in the protocol and you get two free days off work. Mean, you're not going to throw is? up on the air. You got to be able to put sentences together, right? Well, that helps too. Yeah. Okay. But, which he can't. Well, if you're verifying that he still can't put yeah. sentences together, then I understand the fact you can't put him on the air. I'm definitely not calling Joe tomorrow and scrambling my sentences in a preordained everyone gets speech. One, everyone gets one concussion. You get one free concussion a year. Well, I better hurry up and use mine. <laughs> he got a doctor's note. Yeah, that's easy to do. Hey, Doc, I bumped my head. Can you say I got a little concussion? Yep, no problem. You guys uh, ever had one? I think I've had one. I've had three. You've had Have three? You really? Yeah. How diagnosed. did it happen? Oh, all, diagnosed. All, all football. Mine was self-diagnosed. Also I, playing football on was, the baseball field. I was stupid. I put my head down a lot when I played tackle football. Really? Yeah. You're going to have a lot of people coming at yeah. you. Now. I landed on my head on the warning track Ouch. playing pickup football. Ouch. I made, I made like a, I made a, it was like a bad throw, but I made like this falling back great catch, and I, I landed straight on my head on the warning track. And I, I got up, and I was like, I was wobbly. I was wobbly. But it was, it was like, uh, we, I think it was like the game-winning catch. It was over. And I didn't think anything of it. And then, like, later that night, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I feel awful. How old were you? I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. It was, I, I wasn't playing at David Sitton Field. Yeah, I was, like, all mine were, like, middle school. It was tough. I think they've now since changed that name for a variety of different reasons. So, you just, yours was tackling? Yeah. Mm. One time I was blocking. I put my head down. What position did you play, Joe? Linebacker. Really? Yeah. I yeah. can see that. Did you, well, have, the, did you used, have the neck guard? No. See, here's the thing, though. I used to be the same size as all the other kids. Uh, so like for football, like I was, I got to a certain point. Like I think I got to five six in like eighth grade. So you were there early, and then I didn't grow past that. <laughs> so like I was like a normal kid, like everyone else, for a while, and then it just stopped. And then they all kept going up, and I just stayed. I could see Joe with the neck roll, the the neck roll behind him playing I linebacker. Loved the neck roll. We didn't have those. Yeah. Oh. Did you ever have a concussion, Blankers? I don't think I did. I think probably because I got a big dome piece. It might have helped me. That might surprise many that you've never had any. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm sure it surprises a lot. I, I don't. You ever get domed uh, playing baseball? You ever get hit in the head? The fastball? I've got. I don't. I don't believe I ever got hit. I didn't get hit in the head. I got hit in a lot of places. I didn't get hit in the head. I got hit in the head once, but it didn't hurt. Like it hit me in the good spot of the helmet. I guess like it didn't. And I got hit once pitching on a comebacker right on the chin. I think when I was younger, I was uh, on the corner of the bench, and we didn't have dugouts in little league. And a guy hit a foul ball off the end of the bat that hit me like directly in the eye, in the cheekbone socket and everything in the eye, and the stitches were engraved in my face. Oh, that's tough. And I know that was a rough day or two, but I don't know that, that I don't I was never diagnosed <laughs> with a concussion. Joseph G says, I hope Branham is joking. He sounds ignorant as hell. What's it I mean, it's a day that ends in a Y. Eight six three eight says he'd rather have CJ's head than Josh Beard's head. Uh eight six three eight, I love Josh, but sacrifices have to be made. Uh, this guy asked me about Will Levis. How are you feeling about Levis? Levis has been pretty good. Like left for a rookie. Like he's been who I thought he was going to be. Uh, three three eight says Josh who. So kind of a little <laughs> fill and consensus of what our listeners have to say. He doesn't have to work, but you think he still made it to the gym? I doubt it. Okay. I mean, he's got a regimen. You got to live the gimmick. If you're gonna if you're gonna pretend like you have a concussion, you got to act like you have a Obviously concussion. No around one's the clock. checking on him in the gym. 
don't know, Blankers. You have what? stalkers. You, you, have, miss, you missed one day of work, and they follow you to Home, home Depot. Depot. So That's someone, true. Well, maybe they do. Might, I don't know. Might know Josh if he goes to the gym. Lamont says, my coworker's son got into a minor fender bender. I hope he called Hollingsworth Law Firm. He said he hit his head against the steering wheel, went home, didn't think any uh, anything of it. The next day, he slept for eight hours at work on lunch. The following day, he went into a coma. Yikes. Yeah, that's not good. Lamont took it from zero to a hundred. Uh, so I'll just take the – I will use that as the trump card. You win, Lamont. That's You shouldn't mess There's with There's a lot of times, though, when you're not supposed to look at the internet searching for what's wrong with you medically there's a couple of times like this one where you at least don't need to know the symptoms of like any kind of head injury like they're even doing the commercials now about your melon where you need to know that if you start like throwing up and you have as soon as you bump your head that's the first sign something's majorly wrong with you if you throw up yeah, it's not good. Or you want to take a nap. Jasper, I've had four concussions, two car wrecks, one snowboarding accident, and a bullet ricocheted and hit me in the back of the head. Oh, that explains a lot, Jasper. 713-780-ESPN. Let's not ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. This, this is basically your time to complain about the Texans about for whatever reasons you want to, even though they won. You can't be called a Debbie Downer because we, we phrase it as, don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage is the best. We had some Valencias. All of us had some Valencias the other day. Some had more than others. Uh, Valencias is fantastic. The best Tex-Mex in the city. The best fajitas, enchiladas to die for, and margaritas that hit just right. Happy hours seven days a week. Who doesn't like that? And and weekend brunch deals that will blow you away. Also, it's the perfect game day spot. Big screen TVs on the games that you want to watch. They know the games you want to watch, and they'll make sure that they have them on. Uh, does it get better than Tex-Mex margaritas and sports? I don't think so. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage is the place to be. Take advantage of their in-house game day jumbo margaritas. Only $8, and you also get $1 off draft beer while the Texans are playing. Or, look, if you want to take the party at home, do a little home tailgate, don't blame you for that. Order the Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage Fiesta Packs and margaritas to go. Those are great. Also, holiday parties are Available for booking now. Just head to TexMexGarage.com. Take it, like, hurry up and do that though, because you know Christmas is next week. Uh, also, this is the perfect gift card idea too. Everybody loves Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage. Give the gift of Valencia's this holiday season, and you can also take care of yourself a little bit in the process too. Fifty dollar gift card, you get a free ten dollar gift card. You can just pocket that one. Purchase a hundred dollar gift card, you get a free twenty dollar gift card. And again, just pocket that one as well. Stop by Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, Houston Garden Oaks, Oak Forest on West. 34th Street, free ice cream for the kids, pet friendly. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage. It's Tex-Mex from scratch. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Don't speak for us, Spencer. Did you miss the listeners during the commercial? No. Yeah, I did. I did, though. This guy, Branham. I'm Branham. I miss you. I knew that. I knew they would be back <laughs> once we got back into another segment. 713-780-3776. Don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. This is your way to get a, you know, scot-free pass on, you know, talking bad about the Texans even after they win. You can't do that, though, you know? If you try to do that on Twitter, you try to say something negative about the Texans after they win, oh, boy, watch out. I'm sorry for your mentions. What are you not ignoring in victory what you wouldn't in defeat, Blinkers? Hmm. I think the first one for me is just Bobby Slowick, the way he called the game. I, I don't know. I like the fact that they were trying to emphasize the run more. I, I don't know that uh, in a couple of situations, I, I just felt like Case was kind of 
And I don't think it was Case putting himself in that position, but I think that they were trying to sling it around maybe a little too much when the running game had some success. But it's nitpicky, but I still question sometimes the way Bobby Slowick calls the game from, from series to series. Yeah, I thought he did uh, much better this week in terms of like adjusting. Um, I've, I've had questions about his ability to adjust in games. It seems like they start off hot, and then it's like, uh, they go in through a little bit of a lull, and then you get some dramatics and some magic late uh, from C.J. Stroud. This week was kind of the opposite, where it seemed like, okay, let's throw the ball a little bit early. I think I think the reason they threw the ball a little bit early was to set up the run, was to try to get Tennessee so. on their heels a little bit. And a lot, a lot of the stuff that they did early was ac- through the air. It was actually like screens and stuff. And I, I watched the first half of the All-22. I'll, go, I'll try to watch the second half at some point. Um... Their blocking on these screen passes sucked. It's bad. Like it's, I don't think it was bad play calling by Bobby Slowick, honestly. Now, some of this is know your personnel, know what they're capable of doing. These would have been some pretty good plays, though, if they got any sort of blocking. Like the first one to the right side, I think it was a Singletary. Um, Robert Woods doesn't like breathe on a soul. It's like you have a guy right in front of you. Just go stand in his way. If you go stand in his way, it's going to be a gain of 12 and a first down. He doesn't even look his way. Like he got, he gets out of the way. He looked like a bullfighter, really. Uh, there were D- Michael Dieter on like at least two occasions, maybe three in the first half. Awful, awful in the screen blocking game. So I actually put that more on the execution than Slowick on the screen passing game. But I, I agree with Slowick's like overall grade. Basically, I didn't think he was. I didn't think he had a good first half. I thought his second half was much. Yeah, better. and the first three and out was real quick. And that it, was one of them. That was the one where Woods missed the block. Yeah, and and. Maybe you're right. Maybe to a to standpoint, it's all personnel, not all. It, all the personnel should be held accountable as well, too, because maybe the plays would have worked better if guys would have all been able to do. But you think they practice this stuff enough during the week. You know what the kind of plays you're going to run. And if you see that guys aren't quick to get out on the edge and block when you're running a screen pass, then maybe you don't want to call it too much. But I also just think from a personnel standpoint, as it relates to that, but just overall offensively, the receivers aren't very good other than than the fact that Noah Brown was his go-to guy and your tight end did a whole lot for you. But when you look at the other guys, I just think Mechie's just – this is basically a pass of a year. Um, I don't believe in the rest of the guys too much. I think that C.J. made Woods better, but I, I just uh, I, I just don't have a whole lot of belief in, in their, their skill position players right now at the wide receiver position other than Noah Brown uh, right now. I, I don't – I think I, I'll leave it right there, Noah Brown. Um, I feel like Robert Woods has went backwards, and maybe this is Robert Woods kind of finding that the fountain of youth is not... He's 31 years old. I thought he was much better in the first half of the year than the second half of the year. I don't think he's played well recently. Uh, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, he's under contract next year, and he does have a dead cap, but you can also save money with where he's at. I don't... I don't. I don't think Robert Woods is on this team next year. No, you're you're going to pay some of the dead cap, but, but his dead cap is not as big as the cap hit would be if he was on the roster. So he's got a guarantee so too. Savings. Yeah, he's, next year his uh, if you his cap hit if he's on the roster is nine point seven. And some Ooh. of this is weird. Like, is it after June? June first cuts, things like that. But his cap hit next year is nine seven. But if you cut him, his dead cap's four seven. So you would save five million dollars if you cut him. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that the Texans will keep him on the roster. I think they'll take the five million in savings. What What are you not ignoring in uh, defeat? What you wouldn't in or ignoring in victory? What you wouldn't in defeat? Joe? I, I thought that Case Keenum missed a lot of easy layups to Dalton Schultz in the first half, and the second half he obviously adjusted to that more. But there was a lot of times that Dalton Schultz was wide open in the middle of the field. And he just didn't have a good read on it. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that's because Case hasn't started a football game in like 
three years uh-huh. at some point with how much better it looked in the second half and in that last drive in the first half as well. But there was a lot of bunnies that he missed in the game. And yeah. that's one thing that kind of really stood out to me. It was uh, I listened to that D'Amico coaches show, basically, that he does each week with uh, Vandy and mm-hmm. Harris on their YouTube channel. And D'Amico was like, yeah, you know, he didn't think that Case really found his groove until that last series of the first half. And then he said he started to play better. He didn't like the throw to Schultz at all. He's like, we, we shouldn't have done that. But, hey, great play. Yay. Um, yeah, there were some moments when Schultz was open that Keenum didn't hit him. That's probably lack of playing in the last three years and the fact that he is a backup quarterback. He made some dangerous throws that he got away with that you're – I mean, sure I don't did. think it's sustainable uh, living in the NFL. Like, if he were to play against Cleveland, if he was – the best defense in the NFL this week, a lot of those throws are going to lead to interceptions. I don't think that the Texans can get away with the game that Case played against Tennessee if he plays that same game, uh, same exact game against Cleveland. If he is playing, who knows? We don't know if that's going to be the case or not. We have no idea about C.J. Stroud. Uh, a couple of things that I'm not ignoring in victory, what I wouldn't in defeat. First thing in uh, from Lamont, actually. He says, I believe Bobby Slowick's first half offense was a bad word. Uh, and I know I don't... I know I'm not supposed to say anything bad about D'Amico, but that first challenge was dumb. It was a bad challenge. Yeah, it was bad. I agree with that first challenge being a bad one. D'Amico has shown that he's not great at challenges. He's also shown that he's pretty uber-conservative. Doesn't his replay guy have to be able to tell him quick enough that... I don't think they they had time. That was because he at the reason he I think the reason that he threw it and because it was a bad challenge was because they were rushing to the line and he felt the urgency to do it. Yeah, because... I mean, that's where, honestly, though, from a replay perspective, if your replay guy is doing his job, he should already be, like, on that no matter what. You Whether, like 10 what, seconds, though. But, it, I mean, the TV replays and everything, the TV replay normally comes right after the play as they're rehuddling and they're relining the ball. And, and you could, I mean, you could see that there was, he was clearly in bounds and he had possession of the football. Yeah, I mean, there was some thought that he might have, like, hit the ground. So like, which which way would you have rather been wrong though? Because how big, how long, like, uh, how many yards did they get on that play? Like it was 20, a chunk right? play. It was like at least yeah, it was twenty a chunk yards. Play. It definitely was. A chunk so play. What, what, if you're going to be wrong on that, where would you rather be wrong? Would you rather be wrong by throwing the challenge flag and and losing a timeout, losing a challenge, or would you rather be wrong by not throwing the challenge and it turns out that they actually did hit the grass? Well, in the predicament that you're in, because of the fact that we thought it was going to be a low scoring game and and that it was going to be tough to score points, uh, I would say that. From that perspective, he probably did the right thing by throwing it because every point was at a premium. I just think that from a continuity standpoint, whether it would no matter what sport you play with, with replay, that your replay guys can't be worried about the progress of the ball down the field. They have to their main job is on every play. You need to immediately start checking out whatever happened yeah. on that play. I mean, I think that happened. I think his replay guys watching. I, I don't think that they got a good look, and it's like we don't know. It's iffy. And he decided to. Throw well, I understand your point then. That yeah, every point's at a premium, so you probably then you do challenge. I it. mean, hindsight twenty twenty is a bad challenge. It, it was a bad challenge. Like the process, whatever, it's a bad challenge. But if I'm going to be wrong on one side of it, I think I'd rather be wrong on that side. D'Amico's uber conservative, though. Like, how did y'all feel about the field goal at the end of the first half? I, I would have went for it there. I, I would have too, that, because I think that again, points are at a premium. You're in a pretty good spot. You were down thirteen nothing. Yeah, at and that point, that's what I'm saying. You're you're in a pretty good spot to get a touchdown. And you know that you're already down double digits. This one could easily get away from you. So I, I thought that, and especially because most of the season, they've, they've shown a propensity, especially in the first half, to go for it. No matter where on the field, short yardage, they, they seem to have no problem going for it. He went for it early on the drive. 
Yeah, I, I thought they would. I really thought that they were going to go for it on that play. Uh, to me, it was a clear indication that they didn't believe that with Case back there that they could get it done. They went fourth and one. I know four plays earlier. I know, but at that point, it was like this is it's field goal. Get to halftime down by ten, basically. So I, I think they went super conservative in that moment. I don't think they do that if C.J. Stroud's the quarterback. They went for it fourth and one four plays earlier. I know, but the time was running out. So like, There's a difference like, in time, but how, it's know. the same. It's the same thing. I like, don't know. They're still like they had, the end of the drive. They said, "Oh, see, you know, case can't get it done. Let's kick a field goal and be down by ten. They could have said it four plays earlier. Were they in field goal position? Yeah, four? they were like okay. at the thirty. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's good point. So it's like, like it's like it, it's, it wasn't consistent. And like D'Amico at times has not been consistent with his with his decisions to go for like fourth downs. I, somebody was arguing me. Oh, you can't say D'Amico's conservative. What? Like, I think he's uber conservative. And that's not, and that's not look even at, a bad thing. But wouldn't you say, would you say he's conservative or aggressive? He's absolutely conservative. Joe, would, would, would you say he's conservative or aggressive? Goal. The final field goal, he decides yeah. to eat all that time and just say, we'll kick it from 54. I, that was one of the things I was going to bring up. I can't believe that with timeouts on the board that they settle for that long of the field goal. No. And it all worked out in their favor. But, like, I was I was surprised that, with, that that was the strategy they took. No question. Because I don't think that, yeah. but again, to the point of being conservative, he, I, he just decided that on the fly. He just all of a sudden decided, nope, you know what? Let's not push the envelope any further. And you could see him on the sidelines. He just went, no, let's just let's just yeah. run this thing out and kick it. I, I think his rationale, I mean, he answered to that afterwards. I think his rationale was sound at least. Like, I think it's solid. Like, there's times whenever I disagree with somebody, but they make a logical case. I'm like, okay, I can see why you did that. Might not agree, but I can see why you did that. He's like, you know, we had a bunch of holding penalties. We, we, had, some tr- we had some issues where we didn't want to have a penalty. We wouldn't have a sack. Like, we had been sacked earlier in overtime. We didn't want to take a negative play already being in Kaimi's range. You know, I can disagree with it, but at least I understand that logic. And I'm not saying conservative is a bad thing. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not, sometimes that word gets a negative connotation. Like, some coaches are uber aggressive, and whenever you're uber aggressive, it's actually damaging to your team. There's coaches that are conservative where it's actually good for your team. So, like, conservative sometimes get a negative connotation, and aggressive gets a good one when there's really not, there shouldn't be a difference in connotation. You can be a really good conservative head coach and a really good aggressive head coach, or vice versa. But D'Amico is definitely more conservative than he is more aggressive. Well, I don't your, think it's debatable. To your point on consistency, too. Same drive, right? We've seen it in the past when they've gone on fourth down early in the game on a certain drive, and then you know a couple drives later, they decide to change course, and they do it a different way. But on the same drive, when you're looking that you know you're almost desperate to get points because you don't want to get blown out of the building, and, and you're, you know, you're facing a tough uphill climb, you would think that if he went for it earlier, you would continue to go for it late and say, look, this is our chance to either stay in the game or fold up our tents and go home. We got to be aggressive here. And then he went from aggressive to conservative. 713 780 ESPN, HRP listener line, 713 780 3776. What are you not ignoring in victory? What you wouldn't in defeat? Also, there might be some clues that CJ Stroud might not be ready to play on Sunday. Hate to break them to you, but it looks like it's possible. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN at 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health can help you during the holidays and all year long, but particularly in the holidays when you're running out of energy. You got no juice because 
you're burning every you're the candle on both ends trying to get through the holidays, but you're getting it from work. You're getting it from the family situation and all the things you got to do at the house. And then you got to worry about all the extras you do during the holiday season, and you're just running out of energy. That's where Apollo Men's Health can be such a big help. They help you in a variety of different ways. If you're struggling everywhere from the bedroom to the boardroom to the weight room, they can help you to get to where you need to go. They have a variety of different plans set up so that they can do a lot of things to help you feel like your best self. And really, the process starts by going to their website. Go to ApolloMH.com and see all the services they offer. If you see a couple that might interest you and you think could be beneficial to you, sign up right there online for your first appointment. Most major insurance is accepted. Discounts for military personnel and first responders. You mentioned my name, Joel Blank, a free B12 shot on your first visit for a little more energy or a body composition analysis that can tell you where all your numbers sit in terms of your fat, your muscle mass, and all the different numbers that you're going to try and make sense of, or if you want your lab results because you're really going to dive in deep in terms of your blood work and what you need to do, the lab results will be free if you mention my name. But the bottom line is they care about their customers and they're there for you. So when you're honest with them and tell them where you're lacking and what you'd like to do, they're going to put you on a program that works and get you the results that you need. Three locations to better serve you, one in League City, two near downtown Houston. Check them out today and tell them I sent you by. Go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We're uh, not ignoring in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. Rare Candy with a rare good comment. He's an uber-aggressive Chargers coach who just got fired. Brandon Staley, super-aggressive. Brandon Staley, super-fired. Uh, 713-780-3776-6927. Can you not just call a timeout and look at the replay, then decide whether to challenge? That way you save a challenge. You can. You, you can. It. You burn the timeout. And you could burn two if you lose the challenge. So you don't see that a lot now. It kind of happened last night on Monday Night Football, but in a weird way, where Pete Carroll called the timeout, and then Nick Sirianni like, had a little bit more time to watch it, and then they challenged it and won. A challenge. And then Pete was mad about it that they yeah. were challenging after he called the timeout. And Sirianni was like looking across the field and like gesturing to him, like, what are you doing? I don't think he was mad about them challenging. I think he was mad that he lost his timeout. Like, he knows that oh, yeah, they no, can challenge. Yeah, Pete was lobbying after the fact he wanted his timeout back. Right, which I can understand. I didn't like Sirianni's little antics with that. No. But he sure did. It was noticeable. But he definitely too. did. I don't like Sirianni. All right, yeah, I'm not, I mean, he's a little overly cocky. I don't, I don't really like his antics. I find him to be childish in Bush League. Um, like, I thought that was a Bush League thing. Like, looking across the sideline, what are you doing? What, that's Pete Carroll, man. That's like a, that's a, one of the legends of the game. And you're, like, putting him down by looking across the sideline and doing that little ugly face to him. Like, I thought that was Bush. And, like, what, last year at Indy kind of makes a little bit more sense because they fired his guy uh, in, in Frank Reich. Yep. And whenever he went over to, the, like, the bench and, like, started taunting the fans. Like, he's a head coach in the NFL, and you're acting like a child. I think it's he so tries weird to, to be so over-the-top Philly. I don't like him. That it gets real annoying. I root. I openly root against Nick Sirianni, which stinks because I like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I like Jalen Hurts too. No, no, no doubt. It's great. But, he's a local kid, but he's a great story. I dislike Sirianni more than I like Hurts. See, but I hate Pete Carroll. But I have reasons for hating Pete Carroll. But even the bubblegum chewing. And Why all do you the, hate Pete Carroll? Because the Packers. It was a main rival all along, and he was always you he know, just owned the Packers, chewing the gum, and not owned. But you know, things didn't always work out our way. But you know, I, I just think that a lot of times. He gets a ton of credit for what he did in Seattle. He had some really bad runs, too. But, 
you know, the head-to-heads and the chewing of the gum and the way his antics on the sidelines gets annoying to me. What do you have against people who chew gum? You didn't like David Cully either. Cully didn't chew gum. He chewed his tongue. What do you have against people who chew things while they coach? I don't. I mean, I never thought about it that way, but if I figure it out, I'll let you know. Seven five five seven. The Texans only scored one touchdown all day. If you go into the half down thirteen nothing, you need two TDs in the second half. It would have been tough. I understand that. I understand that. But if it's thirteen to seven, now you only need one touchdown. So it works both ways. Like that's why it's a good conversation because you can understand half. You know, half the people's points, and you can understand the other half of the people's points. Three four five one. You take the points. Tennessee hasn't done anything offensively. Okay. I can understand that, but the Houston Texans also haven't done anything. Yeah, it was like a push of, you know, a comedy of errors and bad football for a majority of it, except for one of the things that I was going to put on the list, which was the awful interception in the pick six uh, by Case because of the fact that when you look at the replay a multitude of different times, I get looking off the safeties and looking to the right, but it seemed like he never looked back to the left to find out where Agunbowale was and what route he was running. And completely just missed him. Yeah, he didn't have time. He was he was going to get hit. He was going to get sacked. So he threw it where he thought he was instead of actually ever locating him. But if he he would have been sacked if he didn't. You like, thought it, you watched it again? Yeah, he would have okay. been. The pressure was coming. Like he he definitely threw it to where he guessed. I mean, he guessed where he was going to be based on the route and the play, and he missed terribly. It, it was it wasn't a good play. Uh, if he if he tried to like locate him though, he's going to get sacked now. I would have rather had that. Yeah. I would have rather him just in take the sack yeah. as opposed to throwing a pick six. And Laramie got hurt on that play. Uh, I had the no Fant, pretty big loss. I think Fant's actually a pretty big upgrade over Heck. Hopefully they get Fant back this week. And also, just one observation, that they rather have Desmond King play linebacker than Henry Toa Toa play linebacker. That's fact. I don't understand why they soured on Desmond King at the end of the preseason and everything. Me either. But boy, oh boy, bringing him back was the right move to make because he has been a huge contributor since he got back. It was the one big stop his first week back uh, in, inside the five. But then after that, no matter where they put him and play him, he's doing good things. I, I, I would love to know someday why they soured on him and got rid of him so quickly. I don't know. It's bizarre. Like, they benched Thomas, who they kept over him because Thomas was so bad, and now they're literally playing Desmond King at linebacker. I know it's nickel, but he's moving into the box instead of Henry Toa Toa, who was wearing the green dot once upon a time. Yeah, Demetrius giving him bear hugs and slapping him on the helmet and yucking it up with him. It's like, why did you ever get rid of this dude? Yeah, I don't get it. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Am I reading too much into this, or are these clues that C.J. Stroud? might not be playing on Sunday against Cleveland. Uh, the first one, Aaron Wilson, who, I mean, he, Aaron Wilson did report that D'Amico Ryans is not interested in the Houston Texans job. He says that uh, quarterback C.J. Stroud remains in the concussion protocol, which is no surprise. Mm-hmm. says he's making progress, which I hope he is. I mean, it's only one way up. He says he still has symptoms, per sources. Status undetermined for Brown's game. If Stroud isn't medically cleared, Case Keenum will start second game in a row. Okay. Is that any cause of concern there? This or still this early in the week, it's not for me. Uh, I think there's still plenty of time. Um, I think that when you look at it, it's it's normally decisions are made to bring a quarterback late in the week if it's the second week after a concussion. I, I'm not going to be too concerned about it right now. Um, I don't think that there's a, a, a huge feeling right now that he's going to be back for me. I, I think I'm kind of 50-50. I could see Case getting another start. And making sure CJ's right because you don't want anything long term with the kid, and and you got to make sure that he is feeling good because if he gets another one, now you're really talking about 
you know the possibilities go an increase for the risk. But I'm not. I'll worry more about it on like Thursday. Yeah, this one to me is probably like a one. Like, yeah, he should be in the concussion protocol still. Like, he didn't play on Sunday. Yes, I expect him to be making progress. We should be making progress every day. Uh, symptoms. The symptoms thing's kind of interesting to me, though. Like. You're still a little which, busy. Yeah, you're still one? having a little headaches. Like you're still seeing like lights hurt you a little bit. Like the symptoms to me is the symptoms to me is why I give it a little bit more credibility than the rest of the tweet. The symptoms part catches my attention, and that's why when I think you you had tweeted out about what the different things they look for when you're in the protocol. Uh-huh. It's the one thing to understand that the fuzziness, the headaches, or whatever like that, that's gone. That's the that's the whole first part of it. But if he starts to do physical activities again and he's struggling, yeah. then that's something that you definitely have to be concerned we, about. We don't know that he is. Right. We don't know. All we know is that he texted Case Keenum and Davis Mills on game day, and all we know is that he still has symptoms. The symptoms part is like weird to me, that he's still feeling symptoms. Because usually the symptoms start to clear a few days later. And like... For you to clear the protocol, you, you're not supposed to have any symptoms. So that he still has symptoms does catch my eye. Now, here's the second clue. And again, maybe I'm reading too much into this. And if I am, 713-780-3776. Or maybe I, I have some credibility here. 713-780-3776. The Texans, this was for earlier this morning, Phil Yates. The Texans joined the Patriots in putting in a claim on quarterback Nathan Rourke yesterday. But New England had higher priority. Texans put a claim in on a yeah, quarterback. Why? I mean, you, you whether you played Davis Mills or not, you still have two healthy quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I guess that you know with the new rules, you should have three on your roster. But yeah, it does definitely set up for you that that that's that's alarming if it means that that CJ's not going to be able to play and you don't know when he's going to be back. That you got to get another guy. Why would you? Why would you have, need a third quarterback if you right. Stroud to play? Now it's early in the week. It could be very much could just be insurance. We don't know where Stroud's at, so we're doing this as an insurance policy to have an emergency third quarterback. Do you think they would be cutting Davis Mills? No. For Nathan Rourke, I don't no. think so either. No. Like some people read this as oh they're getting rid of Davis. I don't think this is a they're claiming Nathan Rourke so they could bench, so they could cut Davis Mills. Yeah. The other point though is whenever you claim somebody, they got to be on your fifty three man. Well, that's what I was. So thinking. this isn't practice squad, right? So and the thing that I'm concerned about is too not this late in the season because if you get if you get another quarterback in here, just trying to to get the vanilla aspects of a new playbook and everything at this point in the season. You're not going to do that because Davis Mills, whether he's a little ticked off he didn't start or not, the fact of the matter is he knows your playbook. He's the best guy for the job, whether it's the two or the three, and and, and you need him right now for the finished season. And if you watched him, he was engaged on the sidelines the entire part, the, the entire game. I don't think this has anything to do with Davis Mills. I think there would be two reasons that you're putting in a claim on Nathan Rourke to be. I have, I have no idea who Nathan Rourke is. I, don't know. I think you would have maybe he's Mickey Rourke's younger brother. The rest is a really good movie. There's only two reasons I think that you would put a claim in on a, on a Nathan Rourke or a quarterback in general. One of them, and it, this is probably the biggest. This is probably the most likely answer. You just want a safety net in case C.J. Stroud's out another week. Safety net, you have a third emergency quarterback just in case, and then possible. you cut him next week when C.J. Yeah. Stroud could be healthy again. Or two, and I'm willing to concede that this is probably the less likely of the two, but option two, you don't feel the great that C.J. Stroud's going to be ready for Sunday. Either way, it's an insurance policy that you're covering your butt and making sure you got another guy in the building because you might have to address it. But I think there's there's no doubt about it that the finger points to the fact that you should have a little bit more concern about his availability on Sunday as it relates to CJ. And I think that they're just trying to make sure that they've got all the bases covered, and it is concerning. Just the, the little subtle things there. He still has symptoms. Don't love that. 
Texans putting a claim in on a quarter. They weren't they weren't great at this claim, but the Texans putting a claim in on a quarterback. Hmm. Now, if you claim hmm. him, he's got to be on the fifty three. Yeah, yeah, you, that's yeah. So I don't this this is a little weird to me. Yeah, you can't just shove him on the practice squad. Then that is that that's a pretty that's a fairly big deal. Just a couple of clues. Just saying. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. All right. Rockets lost yesterday. Why did they lose yesterday? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.